Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're finishing up our series, Telling Yourself the Truth, today. And basically what we've been doing over the last five weeks, and today's our sixth week, is we looked at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, which the writer Solomon gives us seven things that God hates. Seven things that are an abomination to him. Seven things that are disgusting to God. And we've been looking at, over the last few weeks, we kind of broke those seven down into five main categories. We're going to look at the last one today. And we've been looking at it in light of where we are at. And you say, why Why where we're at? Because our tendency, remember we, when we that first week we looked at Matthew 7, Jesus talks about our judging others, that we're not to judge others. That is, we're not to put a measuring stick up to their lives and look at the faults and stuff that's going on in their lives while overlooking our own. And that we need to, if we're going to minister to others and help others with the stuff that they're dealing with, we got to deal with the stuff in our lives. And so because of that, we went to Proverbs and looked at five main areas of sin issues that we all, every one of us, including myself, struggle with. And, and let's be honest, let's go, kind of go back over them. The first one of all is pride. The focus on ourself. Lifting ourselves up. The next one was lying. And every one of us here, whether you realize it or not, is a liar. We looked at the issue of murder. The fact that because of our attitudes towards other people, Jesus says, in our heart we have murdered them. And then last week we looked at just the plain wickedness of our heart and the pursuit, the desire for doing evil, and the pursuit of evil. Now again, when I talked about evil there, remember what I said, we have in our mind this list of sins, and we're saying, well, I'm not pursuing evil because I'm not doing those things. Well, the reality is, that's your list. Not God's list, because God's list is what? All-encompassing, and that any sin is what? Evil in God's eyes. And so today, we're going to look at the final area. And this area is probably an important area, because with all those other issues, while there are maybe others involved, they really have to do with who you are as a person. Today, this final area has to do with your interaction with others. Let me read to you what that final area is from Proverbs. Look at what Proverbs says, verse 16. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and then here it is, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Dissension. I call it stirring the pot. A lot of us know folks who like to stir the pot, right? They're causing, they just kind of can't have everything in harmony. they got to kind of stir things up because that's the way they are. They just like stirring stuff up. The problem is, that's not biblical. God hates that. Now, you're probably sitting there saying, well, why does God hate that so much? Because it goes against the very character of who he is. What do you mean? For instance, notice something. We also know that from the scripture that God is what? Love. 
God is unity. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is what? One. He's one in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect relationship with and together in the essence of one God. He is one. And so when you have someone stirring up stuff, stirring the pot, just to enjoy watching others' conflict, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. People will just stir stuff just to enjoy the show. And you and I work with guys like that. You ever work with someone like that? They just want to stir the pot at work. Why? Because they like know, they know what buttons to push with people and they just want to work people up. But God hates that kind of attitude. And I'll be honest with you, my friends, that is true for each and every one of us. We have a problem in that area. Whether it's in your families, whether it's in church, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's with your friends. And we need to recognize that God has a problem with stirring the pot. So that brings us then to 1 Corinthians. We're just going to look at the first four verses of chapter 3 because Paul is going to talk to a church that really had a problem with this issue. If there was ever a church that had a problem with divisions, if there was ever a church that had a problem with folks stirring the pot, it was the Corinthian church. And so I want you to notice what he says to them. And we're going to glean some things from us as we look at this final area of what really bothers God and as we begin to tell ourselves the truth. Notice what he says. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For unto now you were not able to receive it. And even now you were still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of a Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Here's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a couple of things. First of all, I want us to see in verse 1 the rebuke. Paul's going to rebuke them before he gets to the whole issue of this stirring the pot and spreading dissension. He's going to lay a foundation here that we need to look at here. And so I want you to notice with me verse 1. Notice what it says there. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Here's the rebuke. They were not growing spiritually. They were not growing spiritually. Here's a church that he started. He's writing to them, and he's wanting to talk with them about some issues, and he's having to deal with them about stuff that they shouldn't even be messing or worrying about. They're, they're fighting and feuding amongst each other. They're taking sides because of teachers and stuff. And so he's writing them and says, Guys, I wish I could speak to you like spiritual people, but the fact of the matter is, is you're not spiritual. You're not growing. See, there's an implication there you and I need to recognize. There is a tendency in Christianity, and this is what this church was doing. This church, there's a tendency to think, as long as I've made that decision for Jesus, I'm okay. But that's not the implication of the text. The text is, for every one of us, if you've been saved 60 years, and we have some dear, dear friends here who are mature in the faith, who have been saved for 60 years, 50 years, and then there's some of us who've been less than that, a lot of us here. Every one of us, whether you've been saved for a long period of time or a short period of time, have the same responsibility, and that is we are to mature spiritually. We're to grow. 
Because the fact is, is does anybody arrive? Does anybody reach perfection in their spiritual life here in this world? Anybody? No. All of us are growing. So I'm growing. So like even this week, God was speaking to me, George, about stuff in my life that i got to deal with, that I need to mature in. That should be happening in every one of you. Now, when you have someone who quits growing, who maybe has decided that they have reached the pinnacle of maturity, you need to mark that person down in your mind. There's a problem there. And see, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying to these folks. He's rebuking them. He's saying, guys, I should be able to talk with you as mature Christians, people who are growing spiritually mature, but I can't. I can't. You have decided, he says to them, to quit growing. You have decided to quit growing. And this is the reason why he knows that. Why? Because notice in verse 1, they acted according to the culture's value system. They acted according to the culture's value system. Here, notice the word carnal there. Carnal expresses a moral tendency to act, that is, to do things according to the assumptions and the value system that they were supposed to have left behind when they got saved. See, here's what spiritual maturity is. Spiritual maturity is moving forward in your fellowship, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, to where you are doing what He wants you to do and you're leaving the way everybody else does things behind. Now, it doesn't happen all at one time. That's spiritual maturity. He works on one area at a time where you begin to adjust the way you live your life in accordance with what He wants and you leave the rest of the way the world acts behind you. So if you're at work and everybody's swiping the card 15, you know, they're waiting by the time machine 15 minutes early to swipe the card so they can get 15 minute break there and then clock out, you know that that's the way the world does it. But you're going to live for Jesus and do what He tells you to do is, and that is if you're being paid for a full hour, work for a full hour. That's reality. Because why? Because you know that what I do, according to the Bible, I do all things what? For the glory of God. That's reality. See, maturity is growing, but see, they ceased to mature. They were acting like what the culture wanted them to do. They were making decisions based upon what conventional wisdom was, not based upon what Jesus wanted. So he rebukes them. He said, you guys should be growing, but you're not growing. You're acting like everybody else. In fact, you're acting like what you should have left behind as you became a new person in Jesus Christ. So that's a good question for all of us here. Are you growing? The measure of how you're growing is how do you respond to the circumstances in your life as you face them? You hear what I'm saying? The measure of your spiritual growth is how you respond to the circumstances, difficult situations that you face in your life. You say, what do you mean, George? Spiritual maturity responds to it in a biblical way. A carnal, immature person responds to it the way everybody else does in the world around them. That's the difference between spiritual maturity and spiritual immaturity. So he rebukes them. He then goes on and then talks about the issue of maturity. He talks about what maturity is. Look with me at verse 2. He says this, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Here's what I want you to see. They had to be treated like children. They had to be treated like spiritual children. 
Let me explain something to you. There is nothing that is more frustrating to a spiritual leader in a church than to have to deal with somebody who should know better, who should be growing in Christ, but they still act like they just got saved last week. When you deal with people who should be growing spiritually and you have to deal with them like they're just a brand new babe in Jesus Christ, that's frustrating because you have to treat them like what? A spiritual child. A spiritual child. And see, here's what he's saying to them. Guys, I should be giving you more than just milk. You should be graduating from milk now. You should be working your way up to T-bone steak. But you're too busy wanting milk. And that's what's going on there. He had to treat them like they were children. And here's the implication. Verse 2 suggests that even after four or five years, the Corinthian church still had not made noticeable progress in their spiritual lives. Isn't that interesting? Even after four or five years, they hadn't grown very much. They hadn't grown. And so here's the point. They were not growing spiritually. They were not growing spiritually. They should have been teaching others. Listen, that brings a good point up here. Within the church, the scripture gives certain gifts to certain people to to help them. And for instance, there are pastors and teachers. We know this from Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12. And their purpose is to basically strengthen the church so that they can do the work of the ministry. But every one of us here, should be growing in our life in such a way, maturity-wise, so that when we see others around us who are maybe not as mature or have not as matured as much as we have, we can then take them under our arms or under our wing, so to speak, and teach them, help them. When we see that they're struggling, we can say, you know what, God brought me through my struggle. I can bring you through your struggle. Every one of us here should be able to take someone under our wing because we're growing and help them grow too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Christianity is not a faith. It is not a relationship with God that is to be lived to yourself. It is to be lived out towards others. We have individualized it so much that we think it's just me and God and that's it and I just show up for a good time. No, you show up to church to minister to who? Other people around you. And see, they weren't doing that. They were not growing spiritually. You say, okay, now George, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about stirring the pot. I thought we were talking about how God hates dissension. This lesson about spiritual maturity and everything, yeah, it's great, wonderful, you're stirring my thoughts a little bit, but to be honest with you, what does that got to do with stirring the pot? What does that got to do with stirring up dissension among the unity of a family or a church or whatever. What does that got to do with it? Well, look with me at verse 3. Look at what he says there. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Here's what I want you to see. When we talk about the thing that God hates, we're going to get right down to the heart of why God hates it. It's not just because God is a God of love and it it, it basically attacks who he is as a person. It's not just because God is a God of unity and dissension goes against who the unity is. God hates it because dissension, stirring the pot, is a reflection of where you and I are at in our relationship with him. You understand what I'm saying? 
Because notice what he says. You're carnal because your life is expressing these things. What? Envy. Where you're looking at somebody else and you're jealous about what they have and you want what they have. What else does he say there? Not just envy. He says this. Strife. Arguments. Fighting. Holding grudges against one another. And then what? Divisions. Where you have different factions and they're vying for who's going to be in control. See, this is why we have to talk about the issue of maturity first because when you look at somebody who stirs the pot, God hates it because it reflects something about their life. It reflects something about their life. And it reflects that they are not where they should be in their relationship with Jesus. So I want you to notice with me the evidence of it. Here's what he's saying. The first thing he's saying is that they were self-centered. They were self-centered. Look at what verse 3 says. It uses three words here that, I mean, epitomize a self-centered soul as he involves himself in creating problems in a church. First of all, envy. Every one of us here understands envy because every one of us here struggles with it. Is it not true? Each one of us struggles with it at a different level. Maybe you are envious of someone because you look at their family and their family looks perfect and you wish your family was like their family and so you're envious of them. First of all, can I remind you, grass is always greener over a septic tank. And people can put on airs. You don't know what goes on at home. So just be careful of being envious of that. Because you don't really know. But you can be envious because you're driving a beat-up old Ford and you saw your buddy and he's got a brand new red GMC and you know that GMC is better than Ford and you should drive that. Now my Ford people are going to be mad at me. But no, the point is that they got a brand new truck and you don't. And so you're envious of what they are getting. You could be envious because of what people have. Because you got your job and you're only making so much money. And then you look over there and it looks like, man, it just seems like the blessing of God is with them. Everything they touch turns to gold. You can't make ends meet. But it seems like, man, they're going off on a hunting trip. Wish you could go on a hunting trip. Guess what you're doing? Being envious. What is at the heart of envy? You. What you want. What you wish you could have. It's self-centered. He goes on and then he talks about strife. At the heart of strife, why do arguments continue to happen? It's because there's two people who can't stop for a moment and quit focusing on themselves and decide that reconciliation is more important than what their position is. You see my point? Then you get to the issue of divisions. Divisions is one step further where you've got groups who are centered on the opinion of who? Of individuals. Rather than what God wants. And so Paul is telling us that the evidence of their immaturity is what? That they are self-centered. Listen, when you have somebody who wants to stir the pot, who wants to just provoke things up, their whole focus is what? Themselves. I've seen it. Seen a work situation where some guy stirs up guys at work. Why? Because while they're fussing and feuding amongst themselves, he looks good to the boss because he's not involved and he's the one who provoked it. How many of you have seen situations like that? I have, haven't we? Who is at the heart of it? What's at the heart of stirring the pot? A self-centered spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling us here. He goes on and he says this. It is expressed then in stirring the pot. The evidence of it is expressed in creating a problem. Why? Because God wants unity. When you have what He wants, and then you see somebody who's trying to attack the unity, what do you have? 
You have a self-centered spirit who all is interested in is himself, and so he stirs the pot. Charles Allen wrote a book called The Miracle of Love. And in the book, he writes a story about a fisherman friend who told him that no one ever needs to have a top on top of their crab basket. If one of the crabs start to climb out of the basket, the other crabs will reach up and pull it back in. They want to keep people where they're at. And really, that's at the heart of what we're talking about here as far as stirring the pot. When you talk about somebody who's stirring the pot, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody who is spiritually immature, who is not growing spiritually. So here's what they do. Because they're spiritually immature and they're not right with God. Because let me talk to you. When you're not growing, you're not right with God. The tendency then is that because they're down here and they're not moving up in their relationship with God... They're like these crabs. When they see somebody else going forward, guess what they do? They try to drag them back in. They try to bag them back in, so they stir the pot. So you'll see people, they'll do things like this. I've been in churches now. Here's what they'll do. They'll do things like this. They'll say, oh, Brad's getting too popular with the music. He needs to be brought down a notch. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen people who've done this, right? So they try to bring Brad down a notch. And so here's what they'll do. They'll go over here and they'll whisper and they'll say, hey, Sherry. You know about Brad. Stirring the pot. Let me tell you something. They're trying to drag people down to their level because they're not growing. God hates dissension. And dissension is a reflection of what? Immaturity. And I can remember back to people who have stirred the pot for no good reason other than they were immature. They were immature. So what am I going with this? Here's the point. As we wrap it up, as we begin to tell ourselves the truth about where we're at, I want to give you three thoughts for you to consider as you begin to tell yourself the truth. Number one, you need to ask yourself this question. Are you spiritual or carnal? Are you spiritual or carnal? Now, that seems like an easy question, and the answer seems obviously easy because you might be saying to yourself, well, you know, I am... Spiritual, George, because I have trusted in Jesus Christ, I'm okay. No, no, it's not that easy. You're saved. That doesn't answer the question about whether or not you're spiritual or carnal. Because remember now, he's talking to these folks in Corinth, and he called them saints. They were saved, but he says to them, look, you guys aren't spiritual. You're what? You're carnal. You haven't grown. So that's really the issue. The issue is, are you spiritual? That is, are you moving forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you growing in grace? Do the fruits of the Spirit, are they manifested in your life? Love, joy, peace. Are you growing? Or, to be very honest with you, are you carnal? That is, that you basically, you, you profess one thing, but you live like the rest of everybody else does. Are you carnal? You've got to ask yourself that question. Are you growing? That's the whole point. And here's the point I want you to see then. Here's the next question, because here's the assumption of the passage. Do your actions reflect your maturity? Do your actions, the way you live your life, reflect what you truly believe? Because listen, if you're here and you're, and you're in a family situation and you're the potster in that family, can I be honest with you? That says more about who you are than anything. If you're the one who's stirring the pot in your home and bringing disharmony to your home, that says who you are right there. Not your profession, not what you say. And I'll be honest with you adults here, listen to me. Your kids can see right through it. 
We think that they don't see it. They think that just by what we say, it's kind of a do as I say, not as I do type thing. But they see what you do and they know the reality of what you believe by how you act. They watch how you treat your spouse. They watch how you treat others. And they know the reality of it. Listen, my friends, do your actions reflect your maturity? That's the issue. When you deal with others in a church, do your actions reflect who you really are? That's the bottom line. Words mean nothing. Actions mean everything. Words should reflect what we are. But I'll be honest with you, actions say everything. Actions say everything. So then you've got to ask yourself, you've got to tell yourself this. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth where you're at. Now you say, why do I got to do this? Because listen, the only way you're going to mature, the only way that you're going to move forward, so for instance, let me give you an example of what we're talking about here. For instance, the whole premise of Alcohols Anonymous is it's a support group where people come together around a 12-step program. And one of the first things that they got to do is they got to admit, tell themselves the truth, that they got a problem. That they are addicted to alcohol. Because until you can admit to yourself the truth that you are struggling in an area, you're not going to overcome it. Because until you see it, that I am dealing with an issue here that I need help, you're not going to find help. And it's the same thing that's true here. If you are a pot stirrer, if you are someone who is not growing maturely and, and you're just stirring the pot because you're dragging other people down, you're not going to find victory in your life until you, first of all, begin to tell yourself the truth. And the first truth you've got to tell yourself is, Lord, I'm not growing. I'm not growing. I am not maturing, Lord. And it is reflected in my actions. And I need your help. See, you've got to go to God and say, God, I need your help. You've got to tell yourself the truth. And here's the wonderful thing about God. Here's the wonderful thing. Isn't this an awesome thing? I'm going to tell you, here's the awesome thing. God knows that you can't help yourself. None of you have the ability to do it on your own. God knows that he had to do it for you. And here's how he did it. By sending his son Jesus to the cross. To die for you. To pay the penalty for that sin. And then as you embrace that, he then comes into your life and through you is able to give you the victory. Isn't that an awesome thought? It's not about you. It's about Jesus. See, but you've got to start by telling yourself the truth. So when you look at all of those areas, when you look at the issue of pride, when you look at the issue of lying, when you look at the issue of hatred and murder, when you look at the issue of wickedness of our heart and pursuing evil in our heart. And when you look at the issue now of dissension, of just stirring the pot with people, all of those things are reflective of the fact that we need Jesus. But it's got to start by telling ourselves the truth. Let me close you with this thought. We started out this series with the whole premise that our tendency is to look at others and say, oh man, I am so glad that I am not like them. But Jesus says, why do you judge them with a speck? When you've got a big two-by-four hanging out of your eye. Remember what Jesus said. First, deal with the two-by-four. Then, help your brother with the speck. See, when I tell myself the truth about who I am and my struggle in those areas, and I struggle in those areas, every one of you struggles in those areas, and I seek God's victory in my life in those areas, and I recognize it has nothing to do with me, I am now able to help somebody else. Because then Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 comes into play that those who are spiritual go to the one who is in 
trouble. This is a George Cannon paraphrase. In meekness and gentleness. To help them. To restore them to where they need to be. I am then able to help somebody else. The first thing that's got to take place is what? Dealing with the stuff in my life. So tell yourself the truth. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.